the unicameral update. Published by the Unicameral Information Office under the direction of the Clerk of the Legislature. Welcome to the Interim Catch-Up. The goal of these bonus episodes is to provide perspective on the intricacies of the Nebraska Unicameral and the people who make up the 49 members via one-on-one -on -one interviews. Now, on to the first episode. Welcome, Senator. Could you please introduce yourself for the listeners? I'm John Fredrickson, and I represent District 20. Wonderful. Thank you, Senator. Senator, the first question I have for you is, what aspect of being a senator did you not expect going in? Or what would the average Nebraskan not realize about Nebraska state politics? That's a good question. I think that, uh, you know, what surprised me was, so I, I never thought, and, and this sounds so cliche, but I, I never thought I would run for office. I, you know, my educational backgrounds in social work, I was a mental health provider before um, I, I started campaigning and, and, and got involved with politics. And, to, you know, to be completely frank, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I did not think that I didn't have a legal background. I, I felt like I was not uh, fit for or appropriate for service uh, in, this, in this context specifically. And so I think what's really surprised me is, is you know, as, as I've, uh, I've built relationships with colleagues, but also just kind of observed the legislative process, what I've really learned is that it's important that our legislative body reflects the diversity of experience and expertise and professional background of, of our states. You know, I think the best governance is bodies that represent accurately their, their citizens. So, you know, this is kind of like a little plug for anyone out there who might be thinking of running for office. If you're thinking of running for office, please, please, please do it, or at least strongly consider doing it because, you know, I think a lot of us, whether we admit it or not, have had imposter syndrome going into this, and it can be a really fulfilling thing to do. So as a freshman senator, do you feel like you can be involved in policymaking and affecting the direction of the legislature? Absolutely. I think it's one of the coolest things that we have um, in Nebraska. You know, we, it's been growing up here. You don't always appreciate, I don't think, or at least I'll speak for myself. I didn't necessarily appreciate the uniqueness of our unicameral, but now that I'm going to different conferences and meeting with state legislators from across the country, the conversations I have and when I share with them, you know, how our unicameral system works, the fact that a freshman senator can bring as many bills as they want. We don't have the traditional gatekeeping of you can't do this. You can speak on the mic. You can actually pass bills. Um, that's, that's an incredible experience that many freshman state legislators don't have. And so I think absolutely, if you're willing to do the work and if you're willing to dig in, um, you can 100% have influence your freshman year here. Speaking of influence, you were involved in a number of high-level discussions concerning some of the biggest issues of last session. How does a freshman senator get involved in these discussions? And what do you think other senators look for when seeking out senators to negotiate with? You're making me blush. No, I was, uh, I, I was, um, I was, you know, I was really honored and, and humbled to being included in in in, the, in those conversations. I think that, um, you know, one thing that I did from the get go, and I don't know if this is the qualities that are, because um, I think everyone kind of looks for different things when it comes to you know negotiations or or conversations like this. But I, from day one, you know, I I wanted to go everywhere and talk to everyone, and I felt like that's that's kind of how I ran my campaign as well. I um, wanted to connect with all my colleagues and and also just. To 
sort of listen. You know, one of the things I've learned a lot is that even if on the surface, it sometimes feels like we are in direct opposition to one another, uh, when you actually get into conversation and better understand, you know, what is it that the other person is trying to achieve or what is their goal or what are they kind of looking for? Um, sometimes you, what you realize is that, you know, Dave Landis always talks about like someone might want the orange peel and someone might want the actual orange, right? So you're fighting over the orange when you want different parts of it. And so one person gets the peel, wants the peel, and the other person gets the actual flesh of the orange, wants that, then both people can walk away really happy. So I think that having the thoughtfulness and the perspective and the willingness to um, hear out in a authentic and genuine way goes goes a long way in the um, in the process. Shifting gears, I think it is fair to say you had some semi-viral moments, or at least social media-worthy moments, this session, with the long hours on camera. How do you let your personality show while still maintaining the professionalism required as a state senator? That's yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's. I still sometimes like forget that I'm a state senator. That's such a. It, it feels so like official, and it is official. I'm not trying to you know minimize it anyway, but. You know, one thing I learned, uh, you know, being a therapist for over a decade was that people truly appreciate authenticity. And even if you're saying something or delivering news that they might not agree with or might be difficult for them to hear, I think if you're doing it in a genuine, you know, kind of true to yourself way, people people really respect that. And I, I, I try to be completely authentic. And, you know, that's something that sometimes, you know, leads to my detriment, whether it's a forgetting I'm on the legislative chamber camera and I, I don't have a poker face as, as people might realize. Um, so some viral moments may come out of that. But, you know, I, I always say kind of what you see is what you get with me. And I, I try to be as authentic as possible. So I think that, you know, senators at the end of the day, we're all just people. And we we have a title, we have this temporary role where we are, you know, legislating and, and making big decisions for the state. But when it comes down to it, we're average Nebraskans. Going off that same idea, who is a senator who comes across differently outside the legislative chamber than they do on the mic? Oh, that is such a good question. I don't know if I want to honestly answer that. I mean, I was gonna. I uh, I know. Okay, here, here's how I'm gonna answer that question. What I will say is, I don't know if there are folks who present differently on or off the mic. But what I will say is, there are people in the chamber that I probably have zero agreements with policy-wise, but I absolutely adore. Like I love, 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 and I you know, and consider myself good friends with with a number of my colleagues who, you know, if you look at our voting records, like whenever they're red, I'm probably green. And whenever I'm green, they're probably red. We, we have we have really good people in that body. Um, yeah, that's how I'll answer that question. As it gets later into session, senators often go for a coffee run to keep their energy up during late night debate. What's your go to order? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, if it's the springtime, I'm definitely going for a cold brew. There is so, you know, folks who follow sort of legislative Twitter will really appreciate this. There is an iconic vending machine in the first floor of the Capitol that stocks this, like, it's it's the most iconic disposable coffee cup I've ever seen. It's like sort of 90s nostalgia. It says Java in cursive, and it's sort of like this turquoise, purple, brown sort of color scheme. And, you know, I, I first learned about this cup actually from Senator Hunt, who would always get a hot chocolate from there. And, you know, we did this really deep dive into 
you know, what this cup comes from, the, the model number is like HV7 from this company. I think it's in Ohio or something, but this is really going all over the place. But the HV7 coffee from the vending machine in the Capitol, like I like don't sleep on it. You think it's going to be this like old, dusty, grungy coffee, but it's actually pretty good. So in a pinch, that's what I'll, I'll go for. As a state senator, how do you juggle the responsibilities of the position while also balancing career and home life? I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, Michelle Obama says in, in her book, and this is, I feel like I'm here and I'm quoting Michelle Obama, but she talks about how, you know, there's this misnomer out there that like you can have it all. And I, I think, you know, you you can have it all, but as, uh, you know, the former first lady says is you can't have it all at once. And I have the most supportive husband, um, in the world. Uh, he, he works full time. Um, but he is also obviously when we are in session, the primary caregiver to our son, who's four. And, um, you know, if, if it weren't for him, then, you know, none of this would ever be possible. So in terms of how do I balance it all? I mean, it's really, um, I'm extraordinarily fortunate to have people in my life who, who support what I do and are willing to sacrifice a lot of what they do in order to, to enable this. So it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do it all, but it's also, it's, it's an incredible honor to be in the seat and it's, it's, uh, I'll be real. It's, it's messy too. If you were given an unlimited budget for one evening that could only be spent in your district, where would you go and what would you do? An unlimited budget, is it, a, is it an appropriation from the state? <laughs> if I had an unlimited budget, gosh, because so LD20 is such a good district. I mean, I'm tempted to say something altruistic like, oh, I'm going to pay everyone's property taxes for the year. But, <laughs> but no, that's not what I'm going to do. I am going to, okay, I would start the night with a cocktail at the Interlude Lounge. So if you've never been to the Interlude Lounge, it is a haunt in Omaha. It's off of like 78th and Pacific. And it's just like, it's iconic. They've got these like red burgundy kind of leathery chairs. There's like Christmas lights up year round. It's just, it's it's a wonderful place to get a cocktail. So I'd start there. I'd probably mosey over to Market Basket for a pastry because I love pastries. In Market Basket, it's 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 in like the, I forgot what it's called, like the Loveland Shopping Center, but it's it's a locally owned. I kind of compare, I, I always say if Ina Garden ever owns somewhere in Nebraska, it would be the Market Basket. Um, so I'd buy a bunch of pastries there. I'd probably buy a bunch for my husband as well because he loves bread. I'd go to the Bookworm, which is next door to the Market Basket. The Bookworm is a incredible locally owned bookstore and I could I would probably spend a ton of I would spend a large appropriation at the bookworm because of all those books. That's what I would do. During your commute from Omaha to Lincoln, are you listening to music, relaxing in silence, meditating to nature sounds? What do you do to pass the time? Wow, it's a wild card. I mean, I so my commute when we're in session, a lot of times it's actually calls. So I'm calling colleagues or I'm on the phone with different stakeholders and folks about different policy or legislation. My staff, I'll call my family and just sort of like catch up with them uh, on the commute. I love a good podcast. I listen to NPR a lot, get my news in. But I also, I mean, to be honest, I will put on some wild tunes and just jam out all the commute and that's my therapy you know it's never quiet it's always it's like level 10 loud because i don't have my kid in the car so it's great switching back to the legislature what subject matter did you feel you had the most expertise in when running for office and how has that expertise changed once you got into legislative committee work 
Absolutely. I mean, well, I don't know if I'd say I have expertise, but I would certainly say I've learned so much and I've expanded my knowledge on on so many different topics. I mean, when I came into the legislature, I would say, you know, the expertise I, I brought to the table was 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 really in mental health. And that that's, you know, sort of like what I mentioned earlier. My background is in mental health treatment and um, uh, my educational backgrounds in social work. So that was a, I think, skill set and expertise that I brought to the table that was kind of previously maybe not not quite as present in the legislature. I, I serve on the Transportation and Telecommunications Committee as well as the Natural Resources Committee. Those have been actually really, really incredible learning experiences. I mean, on TNT, I've I've really dug into broadband, and you know, we, you learn so much about like last mile fiber and the challenges of deploying broadband throughout our state. Which you know, you kind of go in there like, oh, why don't we just we have all these federal dollars come in, and like, why don't we just fix this? And it's you know, you you learn the nuance of it, and it's 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 complicated. And you know, Natural Resources is a fun committee. Uh, we <laughs> I actually had a call with. Game in parks earlier today about hunting and fishing uh, permits. I, I've learned so much about like hide collection and like bounties and like how like the value of certain bounties are going down. I've heard proposals about like how are we going to sort of ensure that like elk and deer like migrate properly throughout our state. And you know, I, I probably sound like such a city boy describing this stuff, but it's actually been really, really fascinating. And I will say, I think it's important we underscore Nebraska is really, we have a really cool, you know, something I'm really proud of as a state is our history with. With, with our water infrastructure. You know, I did a trip out west in the state with some colleagues to learn more about the proposed Perkins County Canal Project, which is a water project that the goal of this project is to ensure that we have sustainable water resources uh, for our state, which is obviously an agricultural state. So this is this is essential for both our economy, but also for just the, you know, feeding our, our state and, and, the, and the country for that matter, and frankly, the world. We have really wild water infrastructure in our state. We somehow like, you know, years and years ago have, and I'm not going to say a day because I don't remember it, but we've been able to sort of like channel water from certain rivers to other parts of the state to sort of, you know, store it. And just going out there and seeing all this at work and how it works is, I, it was like this like really kind of cool, like Nebraska pride moment that I had that if I didn't serve on natural resources, I'm not sure I would have ever sort of experienced or, or had that perspective. So um, absolutely sort of is expanded my knowledge. I won't say expertise, but knowledge. If you could bring only one bill for the next four years, but it was guaranteed 49 votes and no governor's veto, what bill would you bring? Oh, gosh. I Well, I don't know if I ever want to pass a bill with 49 votes. I like a little controversy now and then. Got to spice it up. No, I'm kidding. I... I don't know if I know of a specific bill. I mean, I'm I'm working on a number of different. So I've got a couple of interim studies I'm working on this summer. These are kind of primarily focused on the mental health needs of Nebraska. We are we're looking at both kind of general mental health needs in our state, but as well as the unique needs of you know Nebraskans who have maybe experienced incarceration or have otherwise been involved with the criminal justice system. And you know, one of the things that I am really passionate about, and, and frankly, a big driver of why I ran was that I wanted to move the needle on mental health and behavioral health in our state to make this more accessible, to improve the infrastructure around this. And so I think my my sort of fantasy bill that would pass with no veto would be something that would be, you know, super impactful to the mental health needs of our state. And I, and I say our state because, you know, the needs that we have in the more urban areas of the state, such as Omaha or Lincoln, those are going to look really different from, you know, what we see out west and in more rural areas of the state. And so we talk a lot about kind of urban-rural divide in the legislature. And this past year, we saw a lot of packages come come forward. We saw quite large packages. And I think that kind of sometimes you look at these things and you say, wow, there's so much here. But I think I, I kind of am anticipating like a, a mental health package of sort that has both like 
like a urban perspective that addresses maybe the more the more urban areas of the state, but also uh, the more rural areas of the state. So that's kind of my my fantasy bill that we're kind of marinating on in my office. If listeners were to visit your office, I think it's arguable that you have one of the best decorated offices in the Capitol. Who decorated your office and how did you get that assigned space? Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I adore my office. Um, I'm on the second floor, 2015. And so the way you get your offices, this is actually kind of funny. You, it's, it's sort of, it's literally luck of the draw. So when you're a freshman senator and when you're, I think, I don't remember if this was at senator school, which is what I call like the orientation for like one week when you get elected, you bring us all down and they're like, okay, here's one week of information. Now go get them. And you're like, oh God, okay. Um, but it was either at senator school or it was right at the beginning of the session. I think it was actually right at the beginning of the session after we were sworn in. So offices for folks listening at home, there's this seniority system they hear. So there are specific offices that are assigned to chairs of committees, but then there's also, you know, seniority is is very important in the legislature. So people have priority picks for depending on where they are. So if you're a freshman, you sort of, you get whatever's left. And so um, we literally just like drew a piece of paper that had an office number on it. And so I really lucked out. Uh, I have a second floor office that um, looks into the courtyard, which is, we have four courtyards the Capitol, which are all really, really beautiful. They have fountains and they are so well landscaped. And it's so nice to just kind of like dissociate and like look at flowing water when things are hard. But I fully designed, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, that, that was all me. I mean, it was just, um, I think it's important to have a space that, you know, you want to re- you want to retreat to that's comfortable. You know, I bring things that bring me joy. You know, one thing that I'm really proud of in my office is, so we all, I think, you know, nostalgia is such a funny thing. But uh, one thing that I get super nostalgic about, and, and, you know, I can thank Senator Hunt for this because she kind of jogged my memory, is the Beanie Baby phenomenon. And so Beanie Baby were this crazy phenomenon in the 90s or something where people went nuts for and I I have Senator Hunt and I both have a Beanie Baby display in our offices. What is the best way for the public to communicate with your office? I would say anyway. I mean, you can, if you're in the Capitol, just come on in. But, you know, shooting me an email, calling the office, I, I make it a priority both myself, but also with my team at the office to, I think it's really important to engage with constituents, to hear ideas, to talk through things. And so uh, we make every effort we can to respond to every single outreach possible. So yeah, if you're in person, come on up. If you're home, you can shoot an email and you can also give us a call if you're if you're a talker. Lastly, what are your plans for the remainder of the interim? I've got, you know, so we're working on these interim studies, which is really exciting. We have hearings coming up in September, which I'm really looking forward to and, you know, kind of continuing to prepare our legislation for next year. I've got a town hall coming up in the district that I will be announcing shortly, which I'm excited about. I'm actually really excited as well. I'm, I'm, I'm going to India for a couple of weeks. I am going on a democracy exchange for, uh, with an organization called the ACYPL, which sends sort of young political leaders on different uh, democratic exchanges throughout the world. So, so I will be in India for a couple weeks in late October. That's all the questions we had. Thank you, Senator, for your time. Amazing. I appreciate it. It was fun.